there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. Gimlet, this is Reply All. I'm PJ Vote. And I'm Alex Gold. And, and you are Shruti Pinamanani, as far as I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm here with a story. Um, so a year ago, I read this article about bounty hunters, and there's this one line in it that said, bounty hunters are now finding almost 90% of their fugitives, which I thought sounded like a really high number. Yeah. In this article, they say, quote unquote, like the success rate has a lot to do with technology for skip tracing, the term of art for locating a man on the lamb. A man on the lamb. A man on the lamb. So this is a thing. Like there's a whole group of people. They're called skip tracers because the people they're looking for are called skips. And they've apparently gotten so good at tracking people's digital trails that no matter who you are, if you try to hide, they can find you. So, like, there's a story that that just totally captured my heart, which is this one guy, he was trying to find the skip who was known to have a particular a, a taste for 7-Eleven Slurpees. Uh, uh-huh. And this guy, he got this database of all the video footage from all the local 7-Elevens, and he ran this, like, facial recognition software. Oh, come on. Really? And, like, found which 7-Eleven the skip had most recently frequented and staked it out and caught the guy coming out with a Slurpee. This sounds very much like an episode <laughs> of Bones or something. Like, it I sounds so Bones? ridiculous. I've never watched Bones. I've seen every episode. So I, of course, wanted to follow one of these skip tracers while they did their job. So I did. And I ended up in this story... It is possibly, no, it is definitely the most challenging, like, weird story I've ever worked on. Okay. And it centers around this one very tragic thing that happened in 2011. I spoke to a woman who was there that night. Um, So just start by telling me, actually, your name and um, who you are. Okay. uh, My name is uh, Chris Story. And... um, I'm uh, from North Carolina, and um, my brother's name was Joe Story. So it was early October, and Chris remembers it as this cool fall day, which started out really nice. She and her brother Joe and Joe's whole family, they were on vacation in this place called Kill Devil Hills in North Carolina. We had gone out. um, There were several 
several of us, you know, that went down, and the guys went fishing on a headboat, and the girls went shopping. So I don't like shopping, so I went fishing with the guys. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just caught some fish. He caught a croaker fish, and, of course, it was making a little croaking noise. <laughs> he put it right in my face, actually. And, um, and so we just we spent some really, you know, quality time that day. Later that evening, they all pile into a pickup truck to go to dinner. And at exactly 7.32 p.m., they're crossing this one intersection when this Chevy Lumina blows a flashing red light and ends up directly in front of them. And we actually T-boned him. And they said we hit him and the truck went up in the air and flipped over uh, three times and landed flat on its top. They really don't know how I made it because I went through the back window of the truck and landed underneath the truck. Like they said, the only thing sticking out was my feet. Joe, who was in the front seat, he was killed instantly. The cops tell Chris, the guy driving the other car, his name is Luis Rodriguez. He's an undocumented immigrant from Honduras, and he was driving drunk. So they arrest him, and then right away, two pretty crazy things happen. So number one, Louise is in the hospital. He was also injured in the accident. But the police aren't watching his room, so he escapes, like just walks right out. Number two, police catch him and bring him to jail, but then the judge reduces his bail, and he pays like $7,500 and just walks out. But he'd already fled once. Right. And Chris said that she felt as if she would never see him again. And so the day he posted bail, she made sure that she was there. I rushed outside of the courtroom door so that I could meet him to talk to him. And and I did. And I told him, I said, I want you to know what kind of man you took from my family. He has three sons. I, I can't talk to my brother. I can't pick up a phone and call him. I said, because of you. And he turned around and looked at me and said, talk to my attorney. That's the last time she ever saw him. He disappeared again. Yeah, he didn't show up for his next court date, totally vanished. And Chris told me that this time, the authorities just didn't seem that interested in finding Louise. And so she actually starts looking for him. Um, she has this mugshot of him. Um, he's this guy in his 40s, light green eyes, buzz cut, has this scar on his temple. And so she takes this and she starts going to his old neighborhoods, like making friends with the people he used to know. And then she's driving. Is she like explaining why she's there? Yeah, I think a lot of them felt sympathetic towards her and they're trying to help her. And then she starts driving to different towns where she's heard a rumor that he might be living there now. We took his picture to convenience stores and said, have you seen this man? And this, this uh, several of the store clerks were like, yes, I've seen him. He comes in here. Chris said that it's been five years of this. Five years of looking for Luis Rodriguez every day, always convinced that she'd just missed him. I've had, I've lost friends before because they said, you know, Chris, you're going to have to find something that makes you happy again. But I can't, I can't let it go. Joe was too important. The fact that someone is out there, they killed my brother, knows they devastated a family and does not even care. 
does not even care. I, that I cannot let go of, and I want him caught. This past December, Chris finally got some help in the form of a skip tracer named Michelle Gomez. I talked to bounty hunters who told me Michelle is a legend, like this four foot eleven Mexican American woman in this field of big white dudes. They said she's found con men that the FBI couldn't. She's found stolen yachts, stolen oil tankers, uh, a prized Arabian stallion. And now she's going to find Luis Rodriguez and she's doing it pro bono. And so I flew down to Texas, went to her house in this small town called Lockhart, which is like 30 minutes south of Austin. Hi, Michelle. Good, it was quite an adventure to get here. Michelle brings me into her house. It's 8 a.m. Girl, it was hell uh, sleeping last night. I had to get ventilator and put them on my feet. Okay, oh, I was sick. Yeah, and I never get, I never get congestion, so I got NyQuil. She's eating her breakfast, which is a box of Girl Scout cookies, Samoas. And <laughs> I asked her, were you a Girl Scout? And she said, no, but I did have to dress up as one once to take down this drug trafficker. The Girl Scout cookies. Hello? I had a lot of questions, but Michelle's phone just kept ringing. All these calls about different cases. And, and according to Jenny's statement last night, and I usually don't guarantee everybody, but I find everybody, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Finally, an hour and a half later, she says, okay, let's sit down. Let's find this Luis Rodriguez. Luis Rodriguez. Here's everything. Okay. Let me put this over here. Yeah. We sit down in front of her old desktop computer. Um, where's my glasses? Her little dog jumps into her lap. Okay, Tandy, you need to go over there, Mama. So here's how Michelle plans to find Louise. He's undocumented. He's not going to show up in most official databases. So instead, she's going to look for someone close to him. I want to know who's supporting him. He's hiding behind somebody that with an established name or with some kind of establishment, period, it has financial means to help him. She calls this person shelter. Here's what that means. Michelle says, listen, I've found, located tons of people who are undocumented. I live in an area where there's lots of undocumented people, and I have friends who are undocumented. And all of them have the same problem. Like, how do you rent a house or lease a car if you don't have the right documents? And she says the way they do it is they have a trusted friend with the right papers who does it for them. That's their shelter. That's their shelter. So if she can find Louise's shelter, she can find Louise. So she starts with the one clue she has, which is this six-year-old police report. What's on the police report? The accident date, the parties involved, the vehicles in question. Um, She's scanning through the report, and suddenly she says, hey, look at this. The car that Louise Rodriguez was driving, that Chevy Lumina, is registered to a company. So she's like, who runs that company? She Googles and she gets this name. Mm -hmm. Name is Tomas. I need to see who is. What is it? What kind of work he does? Is he able to financially help this guy? Just a quick note. We took steps to obscure or change identifying details about certain people in this story. Okay, so Tomas. She puts him into this database, her go-to spot. It's called Find My Skip. Um, Can anybody be on Find My Skip, or is it just... No. Right. She was so secretive about it. 
Um, you're you're watching. You can't put this on here. No. Um, it's a lot of sensitive information in there, but the outside of it looks like this. Oh, it looks. Oh, wow. There's like a there's like a dimly lit street. It's like a very it's a noir black and white photograph. Yeah, yeah. It says get ready, set, find. Wow. Yeah. And so what happens when she gets into it? Uh, let's go here. There's so much information here. Mm-hmm. So she puts in Louisa's friend's name. And immediately the database just starts spitting out tons of addresses. Um, when I see so many addresses like that, it gives me a flag that they've been evicted or they're constantly moving so that they can avoid being captured. Michelle says that shelter should look on paper like an upstanding citizen. So suddenly she's doubting that this friend would be shelter. Also, the friend has all these different social security numbers. Another social, another social with different date of birth. Oh, these are all different socials. So could they could they be different people? No. Why I know not? that they're not. Because this guy, he's he's illegal. So Michelle told me the way someone who's undocumented could end up with all these socials is there's this whole system, like these illegal spots that would be hidden, say, in the back of an electronic store. Little hubs, little offices that they pay. It could pay anywhere from $500 up to $3,000, and they get all their paperwork, their socials, their I-10. Okay. They're all over the place, and they're private. If I were to go to one and I'm like, oh, yes, um, and they're pretty much all Spanish. Um, I was recommended to come over here. Who sent you? That name better be in their Rolodex. Mm-hmm. Because if it's not, they're not going to help me mm-hmm. for nothing. So Michelle moves on from this friend. He may have lent Louise his car, but he's not the shelter, she thinks. But one of the friend's known associates catches her eye, this woman. So here we have um, Blanca. Mm-hmm. She thinks this is the friend's wife. Same last name, lived at the same address. So we know they're a match. Bonnie and Clyde. Oh. See her social? Mm-hmm. So now I have another live social to play with because usually the woman takes care of the bills. Michelle's starting to develop a theory. Luis and his friend are both using the friend's wife as shelter. But... Of course, for this theory to be correct, that wife, Blanca, has to look legit. So Michelle goes over to find my skip and looks up Blanca. And immediately she sees, unlike her husband, Blanca has just one social security number, which is good. She's got to stay clean. She cannot be afford to have any evictions because they, they live under her, her social. That's what I mean, shelter. She's their shelter. Very quickly, she finds a phone number associated with that address. Look at this. So I'm going to call her on my trap line. So that means it's another she number. Can't, she can't see you. I'm going to use it. On this one, I'm going to use an Austin number. So she didn't answer which I thought was a bad thing, but it wasn't. And that's okay. But I know it's a live number. Um, So what we're going to do is I need to go to Melissa Data. The question Michelle wants to answer now is, is this still Blanca's number? Like, does she still live in this address? She takes Blanca's personal information and just starts plugging it into every conceivable local municipal database like 
the websites that Blanca would use for like local like electricity company, the water company, she's basically pretending to be Blanca so that one of these websites will like just confirm for her, yes, Blanca's here and she's paying her bill. Excuse me. Okay. Oh my God, I hate this shit. Okay, first name, last name, company name. So at this point, it's 4 p.m. We've been sitting in front of the computer since the morning. And the next several hours is just watching Michelle try database after database. Tansy, be quiet, Mia. I mean, just to give you an example, she spends at least 40 minutes at this one deed registration site, just filling out forms. And then when she hits enter, it takes you back to the homepage. Oh God. (laughs) And my eyes are totally glazed over. But for Michelle, it's almost like she was in a stakeout. She was a cop in her car looking at these websites in a way that she was like, okay, something's about to happen right now. What is she eating the whole time? She does not eat. Is she drinking coffee? No. She has her chihuahua on her lap. Her cat was sitting directly in front of the computer screen. <laughs> like, literally. That's cute. And she would just, like, work around the cat. <laughs> Come on, little one. It's kind of like having kids who are all over you. Uh-huh. Let's see. Forsyth County property tax search. Two, that's tax administration, property sales. Uh, let's go here. It's 6 p.m. The sun goes down. It's 7 p.m. It's 8 p.m. We barely talk. We skip dinner. And then at 9.05 p.m., she's on this county website where you pay your property taxes. Okay. I'm going to click on paying my bill. Bill, owner one, owner two. Oh, here. Oh, my God. And the website spits out these property taxes. Wow. Look at... Dun, 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 dun. She got two houses in her name. These people, and they, when they come to America, they invest in the land. Okay, okay. they invest whatever they get. Look, she drives a Toyota two. Oh fuck yeah, uh, two thousand two Toyota Camry, paid. I got to print this out. Blanca, it turns out, paid the taxes on these two houses and car last month. So she's there. So she's definitely there. And not only is she there, either she's like pretty wealthy or she's shelter like a lot yeah. of, she's making a lot of purchases that could be for other people for other people exactly so there, there might be multiple people living in the home with her and michelle believes that one of those people could be her subject luis rodriguez she has the skip in her sights Welcome back to the show. Before the break, Michelle felt like she had a very good idea of where Louise was hiding. So now Michelle needs someone local, like someone in North Carolina, to just gather more information. Hi, Michael. How you doing? She calls a bounty hunter she knows in North Carolina. Sorry to call you right now. It's 1030 over there, right? 
Okay, you're, are you close to... They uh, both person? pull up Blanca's address on Google Earth. Thing does not give yeah, me... Yeah, look at that oh. Okay, me too. Oh, shit, yeah. It's a trailer park. Oh, really? That's fucking oh, yeah. hunter and country. That's a big damn trailer park, too. Golly. And she says, hey, listen, I need you to go and root through the garbage. Basically, she wants to see what mail is coming into that house. Like, who is actually living in the house? Because maybe Luis Rodriguez is getting mail. Right. right. And also, she sends him a photo of Luis Rodriguez. Yeah, and if you see that Honduran there, shit. She says, when you see him, don't do anything. I want to be the one who catches him. And right away, she's, like, planning her trip to North Carolina. She says it's going to take a couple of weeks. So, at, like, at that point, does she call the family and say, like, I think I've got your guy? No. Michelle has actually never spoken to Chris Story or anyone in Joe's family. She's never met them, doesn't know them. But aren't they the people that hired her? No. Michelle, at first, she hadn't wanted to tell me who her client was. She said she had to get that person's permission. It turns out that she was hired by this group called the Remembrance Project. And the Remembrance Project, it's run by a woman named Maria Espinosa. You probably haven't heard of her, but... I have not. You know, I think she actually prefers it that way. Like, she doesn't talk about herself much. But I think you've seen her at least once. Do you remember just a few days after Trump took office, he signed that big executive order? It's the one where he's saying he's going to build a wall. The dark-haired woman standing right behind him while he's signing, that's Maria Espinosa. Um, there's actually this video of her. Let me just pull it up. It's her giving congressional testimony earlier this year. My name is Maria Espinoza. My testimony is based upon my nearly eight years of traveling across the country with the Remembrance Project, an organization that advocates for those families whose loved ones were killed by illegal aliens. You see her and she's in this like crisp blue blazer and she's neatly laying out this picture of America that she has seen in her travels, one that is violent and unsafe. Based upon preliminary information, we believe that the American stolen lives may number in the tens of thousands. Five years after Chris Story's brother died, she got a call from Maria, who she didn't know. And Maria says, hey, listen, will you come and tell your story at this big event that I'm organizing? And I tell you what, um, I, at first I told her no, I didn't want to go. And, and I, why did you say no? Because I get, um, you know, when I talk about it a lot, um, it it does upset me. And it does, you know, I think with the PTSD, it kind of sends me back in a tailspin kind of <laughs> But I did. I went. And I tell you what, that's one of the best things I have ever done. Chris ends up flying to Houston to be a part of Maria's. She calls it the Stolen Lies quilt. It's not actually a quilt. It's a line of family members who stand behind her while she's giving a speech and they're holding up pictures of the people they've lost. When Chris arrived, she said that Maria was so welcoming. She had never met me, but it's like that... I mean, they knew about my family. They knew my brothers. You know, it wasn't like they got mixed up about which family member you were or, you know. Um, you know, it's just like you were special. And it felt sincere? Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. I wanted to understand Maria's interest in Chris and in Luis Rodriguez. 
I asked her to do an interview. At first, she was hesitant, but there were negotiations. Finally, she agreed. So this past March, we talked at a house in D.C. Her husband, Tim, was there, too. The two of them, they started the Remembrance Project together, and they told me that before that, they used to spend their free time fundraising for childhood diseases. Like, they were not particularly politically active. In fact, we hadn't attended a town hall, I think, until after we got involved. So we were not political. We weren't political. What we were doing is just kind of living our lives. You know, Maria was helping kids who have cancer. She was helping kids with spinal bifida. I was, I was designing roads, bridges in Texas. And so at the time before we kind of were awakened by this news that we saw, we were like most people. We were thinking that our representatives were kind of taking care of business for us. The news that Tim is referring to just then, it's actually one specific news story from September of 2006. Officer Rodney Johnson will be buried on Wednesday. He was murdered, allegedly, by this man, Juan Leonardo Quintero. It was the second time within a year that an undocumented immigrant had shot a cop in Texas. And Tim and Maria said that they were wondering if there was some kind of pattern. I called around the police department to try to find information out, but they wouldn't give me information. And then I noticed that if I would just Google child killed by immigrant and story after story after story. And so I started documenting that on a, on a spreadsheet. These sorts of stories, they're the kind that you find on Breitbart now, but not back then. Back then, many mainstream Republicans were pro-immigration. They didn't want to risk the Hispanic vote. And these victims were evidence in an argument that basically nobody wanted to make. And so Tim and Maria, when they start calling the people on the spreadsheet, they find themselves on the phone with people who maybe hadn't even shared their stories before. Next thing they knew, according to Maria, she's meeting them for coffee, even going along with some of them to murder trials. And she says it just became her life. I'm just curious, like, there's a world in which you could have said, you know what, we're going to just keep working with fundraising with these kids that have this terrible disease. Why not focus on them? Like, why this? Well, I think one point, this issue is forever and it's permanent and it's just ugh, it made me cry And it's not something I wanted to do. However, if they're suffering through it, why can't we just go and listen and we're not even, you know, directly affected? Um, and, um, you know, some of these cases, you know, a 14-year-old girl just shot in the back, five yards from her safety, from her home, from her gate. And then a mother of five stabbed in the heart with a three-inch knife over wanting to hijack her. Can I, can I um, when, when people talk about crime within the immigrant population, like legal or illegal, they say statistically on the whole, there's far less crime in these communities and therefore like particular anecdotes, it doesn't speak to a larger group. Um, well, two things. Um, what the report has done is mixed immigrant crime 
and illegal alien crime. What Maria is referring to there is this big government report that came out in 2011. And that's absolutely wrong, false, no. So we're concerned about illegal aliens who commit crime. And with someone like Chris Story's case, that takes place more often than you think. So this question of how often, like how many times last year did undocumented immigrants commit crimes? This turns out to be surprisingly difficult to answer. Like, we're not even sure exactly how many undocumented immigrants are even in the U.S. I talked to several people, academics, statisticians, think tanks, like across the political spectrum, and none of them could agree on a number. They did agree that Maria's numbers, tens of thousands of criminals, are just way too high. But the thing that Maria has discovered is that you don't even have to worry about the numbers when you have these horrifying stories. They're powerful. They become a weapon in the right hands. And in 2015, Tim and Maria finally met someone who wanted to use it. I have met with many of the great parents who lost their children to sanctuary cities and open borders. So many people, so many, many people, so sad. Three weeks after Trump announced his candidacy, he and Maria and the families, they met in private. And then he is giving all these speeches with the backdrop of Remembrance Project families, like, standing behind him. At this other event in Houston, he's talking about the criminals sneaking across the border and killing people. And... At one point, he actually turns around, looks straight at the families, including, like, Chris Story was there, and he makes them this promise. The many individuals who have committed crimes but escaped justice fled the jurisdiction or were otherwise never caught. And many of the folks are in that position where you even sometimes know who they are, and yet they're never caught. We're going to catch them. We're going to catch them. In the weeks after Trump won the election, Maria and Tim decided that the time was right to try something new. They would find one of these guys, like one of these immigrants who'd committed a crime and gotten away. They picked their first case, Luis Rodriguez, the man who five years ago fled after being arrested for killing Chris Story's brother. Tim and Maria wanted to help Chris find justice, sure. But Luis has a value beyond that as a poster child in this larger war they're waging. So now, the best skip tracer in the world, Michelle Gomez, is hunting Luis Rodriguez. It's no longer just one gig for a bounty hunter or a family seeking closure. It's part of something bigger now. In part two, Michelle goes to North Carolina to complete her mission. There's the mom and another. That's her. Did you get it? Yep, that's the the, the daughter, um, Blanca's, Blanca's daughter. There's the dog, he's no problem.
Reply All is hosted by PJ Vote and me, Alex Goldman. The show is produced by Shruti Pinamaneni, Fia Benin, Damiano Marchetti, and Austin Mitchell. Additional production help from John Hanrahan. Our editor is Tim Howard. Our intern is Anna Foley. Fact-checking by Michelle Harris. We were mixed by Rick Kwan and Kate Belinsky. Extra special thanks this week to Hans Lenartz, Scott McLean III, Alfonso Aguilar, Walter Ewing, Alex Narasta, Susan Long, Michelle Middlestadt, Don Rosenberg, Frank Bean, Sharis Cuban, Stephen Camarota, Jocelyn Johnson, Nelson Votal, Ryan Feifley, Nick Kulish, Chloe Prasinos, and Emily Kennedy. Matt Lieber is when you are just sitting on the couch flipping through channels and you find a movie you haven't seen in a long time and you just sit there and watch the whole thing. Our theme song is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder and our ad music is by Build Buildings. Our website is replyall.ninja. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.